Hey, this is Taylor Strickland. I'm one of the pastors at Second Baptist Church West Campus, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope this message teaches you, inspires you, and strengthens your faith. To learn more about a Second Students ministry, just check us out on Facebook and Instagram. Search Second Students West. Enjoy the podcast. Good to see you again today. Um, I'll let some of y'all sit down. Um, Today we are in the fourth and final week of In Your Shoes. Um, It's been a really cool series just kind of getting to see how we can love God better by loving others better, by um, doing a lot of different things. Um, And we're going to be talking today about how to honor God through our friendships. I think Nathan said a little bit about that. Um, And the passage of scripture we're going to be in today is Luke 5, um, verses 17 through 26. Um, So if you have your Bibles with you, turn there. If you don't, we'll have it on the screen. Um, If you have your phones, you can also use the version. Um, It's a really great resource. So we're going to be in Luke chapter 5 and starting in verse 17. It says, One day Jesus was teaching, and the Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. They had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do so because, or do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd, right in front of Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, friends, your, sin is, your sins are forgiven. The Pharisees and teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can, God forgive, who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier, to say your sins are forgiven or to say get up and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. Immediately, he stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on, and went home, praising God. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. Um, So I want to give you guys a little bit of context, and I'll start by giving you a little bit of context of where we're talking about. So right now, um, Jesus is in the Sea of Galilee. He is not in the ocean, but he's in the Galilee in a place called Capernaum. Um, And he's probably in Peter's house. Um, It doesn't say specifically where he's at, but he's in Capernaum. And Peter was one of his disciples, and he was living there. And so a lot of times Jesus would teach and preach in Peter's house. And I kind of want to encourage you guys, whenever you're reading the Bible, whenever you're reading scripture, to think about where things are happening, to look at it. Because I know a lot of times we'll see this weird, like, word that's not English, but it's not Hebrew, and it's, like, just some weird word, and it's like, I'm not going to pronounce that place. And, like, you know when you're reading and you just don't pronounce a thing, but you kind of go, like, in your head to, like, blank it out? I think sometimes it's really important to look at where things are happening Um, And to give you guys a little bit of context, this is happening right by the Sea of Galilee. Um, And I have a little video that I'll show you guys soon of what Capernaum looks like today. It it didn't look like this before. It had houses and stuff. But now, like, the ruins of Capernaum are still 
there. And I think it's important to know that this is a real place. We're not just reading about things in a book and they're not a real place. So I want to show you guys a video of Capernaum. Um, and it's going to start off by showing kind of the main area. It's going to so show you the Sea of Galilee and everything. Um, and then it's going to go into showing you Peter's house or what they think is Peter's house. And Peter's house above it has this church. It's really cool. They have a church above the ruins of his house, and it has a window that looks right down into it. Um, so if we can show the video real quick. We start our journey at the Franciscan site, where archaeologists discovered the ancient synagogue and the house of Apostle Peter. Capernaum goes pretty far back. There are ruins that date to the times before Abraham. However, it wasn't until the 4th century BC that it was expanded. And later, the Romans built its streets in straight lines like we see in other Roman cities, parallel to the main Roman imperial highway, which ran by the shore of the Sea of Galilee. By the 5th century, this place became pretty big. About 1,500 people lived here, and they had a beautiful synagogue. And today, from the ruins, what we see is actually only third of what used to be here. So it, Capernaum, it, it was big. It was really big for its time. It had 1,500 or 1,500 people living there. So it was a really big place for the time, and it was three times of what we saw in the video. And so the people that are coming, the crowd that is coming, there are people from Capernaum, there are people from Jerusalem, about an hour, probably a day's walk away. There's people coming from all over the country to come hear Jesus speak. And a lot of times in Scripture we hear, um, we hear about him speaking to fishermen. We hear about him speaking to people, everyday people. Um, but the crowd here, the people that he's talking to this time, are a little bit different. He's talking to religious leaders. He's talking to doctors. He's talking to people who have higher education, people of different standard than normal. And it's not necessarily that, that these people came here with malicious intent to say, I'm going to see Jesus do a miracle, and I'm going to be like, no, that's not okay. I'm going to hear him say these things and fight against them. Um, they just kind of wanted to see who this guy is. They heard that he's been doing miracles. They've heard that he, he's done all these things and said all these things, and they just kind of want to see who this guy is. Um, and then in our story, in walk four guys, well, five guys, if you include the guy on the mat, in walk five guys, um, and this passage doesn't specify that there's four guys carrying him, but in um, Mark, in the book of Mark, we see the same story, and... Um, in that story, there are four. Uh, and so the crowd was really big. It was like so big that they just couldn't even go to the door. They can't look in the windows. They can't get anywhere close to Jesus. And they're really bummed because they could have been coming from really far away. It doesn't specify where they're coming from. But if, if let's say they came from Jerusalem, that's an, a full day's walk. They made all this trip to get there and they couldn't even get in. They couldn't even see Jesus. They could probably barely even hear him. And so what did they do? They went to the roof. And I, I know like in Veggie Tales and in like kids, kids cartoons about biblical stories, you see a lot of times that they have this ladder and they climb the ladder. Um, but it was more likely that there were steps going up to the roof. Um, and like in this time, they had a one-story house. It wasn't normally very big. And then they had a staircase going up to the roof for when it gets really 
hot in the summer and they just want a nice breeze and get the breeze off of the Sea of Galilee. And so they went to the roof and then it says that they went through the roof. Um, and a lot of people have this misconception that they dug a hole in the roof, that they like grabbed a shovel out of nowhere and just started digging up somebody's roof. I wouldn't like that if that happened to my roof. Honestly, that wouldn't be very nice. Um, but a lot of places say that a lot of um, commentaries and biblical scholars say that houses at that time had a hole in the roof. They didn't dig a hole. It already had it in the roof so that in the summertime, it was like a little skylight or like a window, but it just didn't have glass over top of it. Um, so in the summertime, they would get sunshine, and then they would also get a nice breeze that came off of the um, water. And in the winter, they would take tiles and cover it back up so that rain wouldn't get in their house, so they wouldn't get too cold. Um, and so these guys came up to the roof, and they took the tiles off so that they could look down into the house. They didn't just, like, dig a hole in somebody's roof. That wouldn't be very nice. Um, and so not only <coughs> did they walk to the house, however long that might have been. It might have been a couple of hours. It might have been a full day. Not only did they go to the top of the building, but then they started peeking in, and they got creative. And they carried their friend upstairs through the crowds, and then they were so pressed to see Jesus. They were so pressed. They really, really, really wanted their friend to be healed. They really wanted this guy to see Jesus, to be healed um, physically. <clears throat> and so a few things about these guys, a few things that really stood out to me in this passage about these guys is one, they're intentional. And I know we hear the word intentional tossed around a lot, but they made this journey they are working on finding a way to get him to Jesus. They, they don't want to say, I made all this way, my way here, and then their friend just doesn't get to see Jesus. And they're like, oh, we'll just come back another day. We'll just uh, not worry about going up the stairs. We won't worry. We can't get in, so we shouldn't bother. They were intentional about going to see Jesus. And they were being active. They weren't just sitting there. They weren't just waiting outside the door, just sitting, saying, I wonder when this crowd is going to clear and we can see Jesus. They were active. They got up on the roof and they said, okay, we're going to get there. One way or another, we're going to get this man healed. And they also, they had a holy impatience to get their friend to Jesus. And so Jesus heals the man. He heals him first of his sin. And then he heals him of his physical ailment. And so the rest of the chapter is really important, and it gives a great story, a great message on healing your sinful condition before your physical condition. But today, I really want to focus on something that Jesus focused on a little bit earlier in the passage. He focused on, he acknowledges the faithfulness of these guys' friends. Imagine carrying somebody across the country. It could be like in a rocky terrain. It could be in just this hard path to get all the way to Jesus. They had to carry this guy. And I, I bet you he was pretty heavy. I, I don't think he was a kid. So I just, oh, sorry. I just kind of wanted to give you an image of what that looks like. They weren't, they weren't taking the easy route. They weren't like, let's, let's just wait till Jesus comes to us. They brought their friend to Jesus. They went through the hard stuff to get him there. And they were very intentional in getting him there. So what do we see in the story? What stands out about these men? So we see a group of men 
willing to do whatever it takes to get their friend to Jesus. They're willing to carry that guy. And not only do they carry him, they take him to the roof. I mean, taking somebody up the stairs, that sounds pretty hard to me. Um, and once he was lowered down, oh, once the man was lowered down, once they did all that hard work, once they brought him there and spent all their time, their energy, their effort, Jesus took care of the rest. These men didn't jump in into this, the roof after him. They were probably watching from the roof as Jesus was talking to him and healing him. They were patient. They worked hard. They got him to Jesus. And I bet you when that man walked out of the house, that they ran right after him celebrating what Jesus had done. And I think there's something that we can really take from that. There's something that with us and our friendships, we're able to take something from that. We're able to see that we bring people to Jesus, we trust him with them, and then we celebrate what God has done in their lives afterwards. And I was talking to a friend the other day, and she said something that really stood out to me. She told me, I want to see my friends in heaven. That that was a priority in her life, that that was something so important to her is, I want to see my friends in heaven. And I think that's something that we forget a lot of times. I think a lot of times we, we think, oh, this is my friend. Like, we're here, we're hanging out, we're having a good time. But you don't think about eternity. You don't think about what's going to happen after this. You don't think about heaven without them. I think, for me, it really gave me a sense of urgency. Of, okay, I might have 100 years here on earth. That, that would be good. Like, if I lived 100 years, that's a good life. Like, I feel like that's a long time. But I have an eternity after my time here on earth. And I have an eternity to speak for what I have done here on earth. And I think another thing is just remembering your purpose. Remembering that your purpose, I've said this before, I'll say it again and I'll say it every day of my life, I need this reminder every single day. Our purpose is to know him and to make him known. It's simple, it sounds so simple, it's really hard to do sometimes, but to know him and to make him known. I think a lot of times we forget that with our friends. We get so comfortable that we just, we don't even bother to tell them about Jesus. And so what does it look like for us? What does it look like for us to take action beyond this? What can we do to bring our friends to Jesus? What can we do to carry our friends across the country to see Jesus Put them down at Jesus' feet and say, this is my friend. I want them to know you. I want them to be healed by you. And then celebrating with them afterwards. First of all, and I think most importantly, is to pray. Pray for them. Pray for them by name. Pray for their salvation. Pray for their hearts to be softened by the Lord. Soften for the gospel. Tell God about your friend. Tell them about what they mean to you. Another thing is to live out your faith. If it's your friend, if it's not your friend, living out your faith is a great way to show them Jesus. Working really hard, doing things that you don't have to be, do, being nice to people who hurt you and being nice to people who are mean to you. Being like Jesus can help you have people come to you instead of you having to go to them. I worked, I worked in retail for a while and I, I did a lot of things that were really hard and that weren't part of my job description. I, I was making minimum wage. I wasn't making very much money. But I worked as hard as I could. Like it was my dream job. I worked so hard at that job. And I had so many people come up to me and say, 
hey, why are, why are you working so hard? You're not making money. It's, it's not a really fun job. Like, why, why are you working so hard? And I was able to point them to Jesus. And just by acting, just by living out my faith, I was able to share it. Another way is to talk to them about the gospel. I know this is really scary. I know the gospel is offensive. Saying there's only one way to eternity. There's only one way to heaven is super offensive in this world where everybody wants inclusion, where everybody wants everybody to be okay with everything. But having that conversation, talking to somebody about that, not, not in a condescending way, but saying this is salvation, this is eternal life, this is where I get to be, this is the relationship I get to have here on earth that extends out into eternity. Talking to them about the gospel is so important. And then if, if all of those things are too scary, if you don't know how to do some of those things, you can bring them to live or Bible study. And this, this isn't me promoting live or Bible study. Like church, going to church isn't going isn't gonna to save you. Going to ch- bringing your, church or your friend to church isn't going to make them believe in Jesus right away. But it is a tool. It is a safe space for people to hear the gospel and to respond to the gospel. And it's a really cool tool for you guys to bring your friends and to let them know, this is my life. This is the joy that I have in my life. This is why I worship. This is why I work as hard as I do. And I know I said this one before, and I'll say it again. Pray. Pray for your friends. Pray for them by name. Tell God how much you love them and how much you want them to know him. Because he loves them a million times more than you ever could. It doesn't matter how much you love them, how close they are to your heart, God loves them so much more. Ask him for help. Ask him, how do I share the gospel? Ask him, tell him your worries, tell him I'm scared I'll get rejected, tell him all the things and bring him into your life and bring him into that relationship. And if all that, if all that is something that you're not sure of, you can always come talk to us. You can talk to somebody on staff. You can talk to your leader. You can talk to some of your friends about it. Say, hey, I'm, I'm, this is my friend. This is my friend that I really want them to know Jesus, but they don't. Help me find ways to share the gospel. Help me evangelize. Help me bring them to Jesus' feet so I can celebrate with them and see them healed, not only from their physical ailments, but from their sins.